This podcast features three supposed adults who definitely use adult language. They're also supposedly writers who are definitely not procrastinating by making this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. to No Bad Ideas, the storytelling game show where we take the worst ideas from the internet and try to turn them into stories that are actually good. My name is Gabriel Urbina, and I am your first Bad Ideas host. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm your second Bad Ideas host. And my name is Zach Valenti, your third Bad Ideas host. And today we are joined by a special guest star, a self-professed TV writer and podcast addict. They are the creator of Life with Leo. It's Octavia Bray. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're so happy to have you. Oh, thank you so much. That's the kind of energy I hope everyone has about me when I join them in their space. (laughs) Octavia, before we get started on our nonsense, um, do you want to tell anyone who has not yet found Life with Leo what your show is about? Just kind of like, what is the 30-second elevator pitch? Sure. I feel like the way that I describe it as briefly as possible is that it's a sci-fi-ish romantic comedy about an emotionally repressed lawyer and the illegal android that's been programmed to love her. Mm. So there are lots of, you know, sort of hijinks and shenanigans around the idea of love, free will, consent, but I think also what people think they do and do not deserve from their relationships or how they should and should not go about finding the love that they want. Yeah, it's very funny. Heartily endorsed. Thanks. I just went through it all recently and loved it. The first season is out now. And you're fundraising for the second season now, right? Fundraising for the second season. I'm doing revisions on the second season of scripts. I got notes from producer Lauren Shippen and my director, Shanae Howard. So they're both very smart people. I didn't take anything personally as they gave me notes. (laughs) I was like, will I ever be as smart and beautiful and talented as these two? Only time will tell. But I think with their notes, I'll be able to pass myself off as their peer. Well, I think that what might help with that is just uh, talking through absolutely everything that happens in the second season right here, right now. <laughs> yeah, um, we're so, ready to have uh, whenever you're ready. <laughs> this season has everything. No, we'll talk a little bit more about Life with Leo and your own work in the back half of the show. Um, okay. But we've got some we've got some business to take care of first. That's right. And that business would start with, uh, if you will join me, okay, uh, in the Daily Mail Turkish biotech tycoon charged with plotting murder of Vermont father. Okay. Those are all words. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Brace yourselves. Just like a regular father? For a good old fashioned (laughs) multinational (laughs) scam. Like a Catholic father? A father of daughters? (laughs) Father like a priest? Yeah. Uh, Sirhat Gumruku is the 39-year-old founder of Inochian Biosciences, apologies if I'm just butchering all these names, uh, which claims to be developing treatments for cancer, hepatitis, and HIV. The company is listed on the NASDAQ with a valuation of $137 million, of which he's believed to owe $98 million. (laughs) A measly. Davis 
was found shot dead in a snowy bank on the side of the road near his home the day after a mysterious man appeared at his house, posing as a U.S. Marshal and claiming he needed to question him. The killer even arrived in a car with red and blue flashing lights. Prosecutors say Gumruku hired the hitman, since identified as Jerry Banks, through two middlemen to kidnap and kill Davis to stop him from reporting him to the FBI. The pair had entered an oil deal years prior, but had fallen into dispute according to court documents obtained by DailyMail.com. Davis believed that Gumruku and his brother were lying to him about the profits of their deal. Around the same time, Gumruku had been charged in California court with writing checks that bounced. YouTube videos show him performing magic tricks in Turkey in 2002 when he was a teenager before he moved to the U.S. to charm Silicon Valley and the healthcare world. His social media page shows him mixing with celebrities like Helen Mirren and Boy George, and his company was so impressive with its research into curing diseases that it caught the eye of Anthony Fauci. An email obtained by the Wall Street Journal reveals that Fauci told his staff at the NIH to meet with Gumruku and his colleagues to discuss their research into curing hepatitis B. Uh, quote, I was supposed to meet with him, but I'm swamped with the coronavirus, he told a staff member in the email dated uh, February 2nd, 2020. It's unclear how he raised funding for Enochian, or whether or not any of his treatments are in use. Federal prosecutors say Gumruku and his brother, who has not been in the U.S. for years and who lives in Turkey, were, quote, the only people who have appeared to have a serious dispute with Davis or any motive for Davis's execution. In 2017, Davis was threatening them, uh, going to the FBI with evidence that they were quote, defrauding him in a multi-million dollar oil deal. The deal was struck in 2015, and it's unclear what the details are, but the prosecutors say the Turkish brothers failed to perform the deal and made various claims about their attempts to perform it. Davis believed that Gumruku lied to him about various matters. During the same time, Serhat Gumruku was facing felony fraud charges in California state court. At the same time, uh, he was in the midst of obtaining a majority stake in his company, Enochian. Uh, the indictment alleges that any complications surrounding the oil deal would have jeopardized him obtaining a majority stake in the company. Banks, the hitman who was charged with posing as the U.S. Marshal, is friends with a man named Aaron Etheridge, a friend of Burke Arite, who worked for Gumruku. Etheridge has confessed his role in the plot and is expected to testify against the three other men. Between June and October 2017, bank records reveal Gumruku sent Arite $150,000. Arite withdrew the cash in increments of $9,000 to $1,000 below the $10,000 currency reporting requirement. The proffer claims uh, he has a documented history of fraud that includes him being arrested and charged in 2017 with felony fraud. Gumruku defrauded a Turkish investor out of almost one million dollars in a real estate investment. Uh, he told the investor that he was spending the funds on purchasing and renovating a Los Angeles home, when in fact he was spending the money on other matters. Gumruku also provided the investor with bogus documents supposedly prepared by an attorney. The alleged fraud scheme in the state case uh, involved bounce checks connected with his dealings with Davis. Uh, the proffer also says he pleaded guilty in January 2019 to one count of felony fraud, then modified it into a misdemeanor, something that is possible under California law. The documents also claim he was arrested in Turkey in 2012 for fraud, but fled the country while the case was pending. 
He's remained outside Turkey since then, avoiding that prosecution. And in 2020, he successfully sought to dismiss the Turkish case from outside the country. Uh, in spite of his failure, he chose not to return to face the charges, of course. Prosecutors uh, in their case against bail said he was a clear flight risk. Gumruku's attorney maintains that he is innocent. He is in custody pending the next court appearance. Quote, common sense suggests that Gumruku would hide or flee rather than spend the rest of his life in jail or face the death penalty. Put simply, a wealthy citizen of a foreign country charged with murder should be detained pending trial, they argued. The judge agreed and held him in custody pending his next court date. Enochian has tried to distance itself from him since his arrest. Uh, in a letter to shareholders earlier this month, CEO Mark Dybul tried to assuage fears by claiming the allegations were, quote, a smear campaign launched by short sellers trying to profit from the company's woes. Shares of the company have dropped from about $6 to a little less than four after the news of his arrest, and he is currently being held in custody. This article did not include the fun details from another that there's no firm evidence that this guy's medical license or degree is uh, verifiable or real. Uh, so yes, uh, just to cool. sort of, so just he's a bad idea altogether. He's yes, just a put, bad. This put man a, is a, a bad idea. It, um, man escapes shady history in Turkey to start mega multi-million-dollar medical firm in United States with no provable medical license, uh, and then gets involved in like two or three other businesses in real estate and in oil with lots and lots of people at his heels to uh, ring the fraud bell. And just just because I will admit, I think that I got like a little lost in the details here. So like the crux of it is one man had another person killed, correct? Yes. What was their relationship pre the decision to commit this murder? Like, how did they relate to one another? Like, was it, a, I, my understanding is that it's an investor, right? And like, he was about to blow the whistle on the fact that this guy was full of shit. So the guy yes. full of shit had him killed? That's right. Got it. Okay, cool. That is where I was like, I'm not quite sure what is motivating this very bad idea. They were the bad oil deal friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. I mean, okay. well, there's a title of something right there. The bad oil <laughs> deal friends. <laughs> the sitcom none of us need. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and with that, I'm putting 10 minutes on the clock. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I watched The Dropout and I enjoyed it, but this is a little <laughs> bit more intense. I don't know, y'all. <laughs> yeah, this is like, do you want some succession in your dropout? Because we can just like put it all in a big bowl and mix it up. I think the detail that like caught my ear and that I would be interested in exploring is just like the pal around with celebrities aspect. Like, it's weird that this Turkish magician fraudster hung out with Helen Mirren. Like, I find that mm. weird and interesting. I don't know. Maybe there's something with, like, someone whose job it is to try and prevent celebrities from from taking meetings with sketchy people. I, I don't know. I mean, I just want to say, like, this is who else could keep up with Helen Mirren? But true. Someone with this level of sketchiness to himself. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren is amazing. Helen Mirren, Fast and Furious, Runaway Queen. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. But yeah, okay, so like someone who is, I guess there's a world in which it could be like a professional, like deprogrammer, like those people mm. who, um, when someone manages to escape from a cult, it's their job to kind of be like, hey, okay, like someone has just put a whole lot of shit in your head. Let I'm here to try to kind of like help you 
get some of it out of your head so that you can have like a more of a normal life. It could be interesting to have someone that is a professional celebrity deprogrammer for these kinds of friends. So just kind of, you know, like, look, I, I know that they told you all these things. I know that you think that they're your best friend. Trust me, they are not. They're not who they say they are. They're not the person that you want to hang out with. Um, but I'm not sure where to That's articulate the more that. interesting slash edgier version of failure to launch is like people around a celebrity are concerned they're hanging out with this clearly sketchy person. They bring a deprogrammer in and then they end up having a, a relationship that is very unethical, uh, mm. <laughs> but Ooh. very cute. I don't know. Oh, cute. You went cute. I was automatically like, and it's an erotic thriller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like there's the version of it that is, you know, failure to launch, to launch, excuse me. And then there's a version of it that is like lust caution or like the handmaid where it is all like, you know, yeah. super extreme and very, very sort of like darkly sexy. I don't understand why this company that was like, we're curing cancer, you guys. We're curing yeah. hepatitis. We're curing HIV was also like, we're killing the planet. We <laughs> want to get into oil. Once we're done saving your life, we're going to make sure that the climate kills you. Right. You, right. you need to die the natural way. That's right. <laughs> yes. The way that By God acid intended. Right. Like that seems strange and suspect. You know, my understanding is that like crime 101, one of the first rules is like, for fuck's sakes, don't draw attention to yourself. Just right. like whatever you're doing, do it quietly and discreetly and don't try to be in the center of anyone's spotlight. And this was we're running a very, very contradictory scheme and at the same time, also trying to draw a ton of attention to ourselves. Yeah. And now we're back at the magician. It's a classic case of misdirection. There we <laughs> Where go. Are we supposed to be looking? <laughs> right, right. You know? And I mean, that is a good question of like, if if this was the smokescreen to let someone get away with something, because we're all looking at this mess, what was the real thing that they were trying to cover up? Or what was the real thing that they were trying to do under the table? I mean, usually, unfortunately, like I think the real world answer is always really boring of like they were trying to buy some houses in Miami like yeah. but but we can come up with like a more interesting scheme either that or the other the other thought I had Sarah, is that are you saying that houses in Miami are not the most interesting thing in the world it's love you Miami highly sought after <laughs> <laughs> just like beachfront real estate come on all I that mean, humidity. Mm. All that humidity. Oh, yeah. mm. It's like Hawaii, but not as good. But not as nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, in Hawaii, probably. the, you know, local people, the indigenous people don't want you there. That's and true. And in that Florida, you just don't want to be there. Exactly. You know? and, and, yeah. <laughs> there's that. And then there's also, I think, like all of the, you know, swamp wildlife that does seem to be trying That's to forcibly right. evict everyone. That's right. Get out of here. I mean, we should listen to the alligators. Um, we can either kind of lean into sort of the mystery thriller aspect of this, or there's like the fact that there is no enforcement of white collar crime in America, mm. like at all. 
And so I would be interested in the story of like the first investigators who are like actually funded to go after bozos like this. And they're like expecting that they're going to have like these massive conspiracies that they're going to break apart and, you know, get out the murder boards and all the red string. And it's just like a bunch of idiots who are doing, you know, things like trying saying that they have a company that's curing cancer while buying lots of shares in oil. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And yeah. like the contrast between, you know, sort of what we think is going on with like 1% Illuminati stuff and like what it actually looks like. I don't know. Rich people, they're just like us. <laughs> It'd be interesting to do sort of like this, the movie that is about like a great conspiracy that keeps cutting back and forth between the conspiracy movie is made by, I don't know, Christopher Nolan or something. And it's sure. all super sleek and the careful designs and the, you know, wonderful chess move manipulations. And then the one that is how attempted conspiracies go in the real world. And it is an Armando Yanucci Veep style, just kind of mess of Wait, did you call the mayor of Cincinnati? I, 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 I thought that I was supposed to call the mayor of Cincinnati. So we both called the mayor of Cincinnati. Oh, no. Like, you know, this, that and the other. And it is just sort of this like study of contrasts. Yeah. How would that even work? And what character bridges those two movies? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you would need to do it like like it would need to be like a Netflix streamer or something. At any point, you can like hit the convert button and it just like <laughs> takes you from one movie to the other. And you can kind of at any point be like, ah, let's see how the other guys are doing. Oh, all right. They've like secretly taken over South America now. Fascinating. Back to, oh, they are now trapped in a bar in South America. Excellent. I feel like there could be a best of both worlds scenario where like this singular movie is like, you know, your your crime investigators, right? They're like, all right, these guys, you know, they're not idiots. Like mm -hmm. we, we gotta we gotta be on our toes. We gotta be sharp. These are cold hearted <laughs> right. white collar criminals. And then the actual like criminals, like when you go and you right. see them, it's like these are idiots. These are idiots working out like petty squabbles and battles. And, you know, being mad about handshake deals that fell through. Yes. But the difference between the two of us having a fight and the two of these guys having a fight is that I don't have the money to kill you, you right, know, right. even if I wanted to, <laughs> you know, power has not yet corrupted me mm -hmm, to the mm -hmm. point where I solve my problems by like digging a grave in some swamp, you know, right, right. but these guys, <laughs> these guys have those tools. And so, like, even though they seem cutthroat because bodies everywhere or whatever, yeah, they're actually just fools. I think that's hysterical. And I think that that's amazing. And I love that conceit of you see the police investigating and they're kind of like, ah, we have found this Google search that suggests that they have, you know, investments in the Amazon forest and right. this, that and the other. And then you kind of like cut to three days earlier and it's these bumbling fools being like, did you order a thing? No, nah, 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 nah. let's just like order it on Amazon. And, you know, like it's all these things where because the police think that they're looking for this or the investigators or whoever it is that is after them, they think that they're looking for these master chess player criminals. Right. Every little like bumbling accident just gets blown up into, ah, get another master stroke in the plan that is completely non-existent. 
Right. It's kind of like money giving pe- people sort of Mr. Bean superpowers of like <laughs> they, they just absolutely are bumbling through and failing forward. Right. Um, and even though they crack team is working to bring them down or whatever. And that's time. All oh, right. what? I was <laughs> I'm over here being like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is funny to me. Imagining, you know, like my mom loves teapots. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily using them, but every time but I go somewhere, them. I'm like, yeah, she wants a teapot. Yeah. I'm just imagining like if my mother came into like just a, a foolish amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. Eight point million dollars of money. She would totally be the type of person who's like, I got to get my hands on this. And, you know, she'd be committing some kind of like museum fraud. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But it would all go back to just like her love of teapots, right? She wouldn't even necessarily think of it as crime. Meanwhile, right. someone's like, we got to get our hands on Seanette. She's up to something. She's not. <laughs> she's putting it in her cabinet with all of her other teapots. Right, you know? right. You yeah. know, there's a break-in at the Smithsonian and three That's items right. have gone missing. What could it mean? We need to model else. my mother teapot in the Midwest. Missing? Right. Yep, she just hired somebody <laughs> to get her a teapot she saw online. She had no idea. <laughs> they were breaking in, stealing priceless artifacts. I She's love out that. here acting like the British Museum. Amazing. You know? <laughs> that was fun. Oh, man. That is fun. I have something that that's that hopefully will be as fun. It's certainly goofier than right. hiring a hitman. Goofier than a hitman? I don't know if that's possible, that's right. Sarah. Barry takes offense. So uh, this comes to us from Reuters, uh, and there'll be there'll be a link uh, in the episode description to the article if you want to look at pictures, dear listeners, of of this fabulous place. So there is a Swiss zero star hotel, which <laughs> offers sleepless nights to ponder the world's crises. What? Wow. Uh-oh. Yep. <laughs> um, I couldn't sleep, and my room was too noisy. Maybe complaints, hoteliers dread from guests. Uh-huh. But for the Rickland brothers, that is the entire point of their latest zero star hotel art God. installation. My God. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. The Swiss concept artist's hotel room is essentially a double bed on a platform with two bedside tables and lamps. There are no walls, (laughs) ceilings, or doors to provide any privacy or shelter. They have set up their Nullstern suite, German for zero star, on a roadside next to a petrol station in the village of Salon in the southern Swiss canton of Valais. The intention is to make guests think about problems in the world, (laughs) the twin brothers said, and inspire them to act differently. (laughs) Sleep is not the point. (laughs) <laughs> said Frank Fritland. <laughs> What's important is reflecting about the current world situation. Staying here is a statement about the need for urgent changes in society. I see. I uh, see. Okay. <laughs> guests are invited in their half sleep to consider topics <laughs> like climate change, war, humanity's endless quest for perfection, and the damage it causes the planet. These are all things worth pondering. In a nutshell, now is not the time to sleep. <laughs> We have to react, said Patrick, presumably the other brother. If we can, the, the, the project, which has been developed with hotelier Daniel uh, Charbonnier, also features three further Nolstern suites in a more idyllic vineyard and on a picturesque hillside. The suites, which come with butler service, offering drinks and breakfast will be available from July 1st to September 18th. Oh, get it while you still can, dear listeners. Come on. (laughs) 
Yep. So this is this is news you can use if you're in Europe. <laughs> now, now, does anyone want to guess the price for this imperfect night's sleep? <laughs> I mean, it's going to be like comedically high. It's going to be like two thousand euro a night. Yes. Not quite. Um, it's actually quite. It's it's you know adjusting oh, is it for affordable? inflation. Is it competitive? It is three hundred and twenty-five Swiss Swiss francs, which is about three hundred and thirty-seven U.S. dollars a night. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> Now, oh wait, God. wait, wait, but I, I do have a follow up question sure, um, sure. Uh, because I'm fascinated by this. When you say that you are invited to contemplate these problems, is it just that as you go in, someone gives you a pamphlet with social issues that you need to think about? Or as you're trying, say. as you're lying there in the middle of the night, not sleeping, is there like a loudspeaker that periodically goes war, <laughs> climate change? I, I, it doesn't, the article doesn't specify. I think, you know, maybe like in, in hotels, there's a little Gideon Bible in the, in the nightstand. Yeah. Maybe there's just like a UN report on climate change in there instead. <laughs> but I'm going to put 10 minutes on a timer and y'all can figure out exactly how this works. Immediately. Immediately. Doesn't. This is uh -huh. the whitest thing I have ever heard of. Uh, so, yeah. so, so white. Absolutely. <laughs> Complete with the, taking place in the Swiss Alps. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But like, not just that, but it's like, you need to be reminded to think about all of the things that are going mm -hmm. wrong in this world. It's coming from such a position of privilege. I don't know. Not a single marginalized person who's not constantly aware yeah. as a background hum of everything that's going wrong in the world. Even if we're specifically looking at climate change, let's just factor out war. Right. And poverty and racism with a lot of like very obvious class yes. and race implications. If we're thinking about climate change, all of those implications are still there. Right. Just a little less, you know, on the surface. Because, you know, we all live on the planet. The, when the oceans rise, we're all going to drown. Mm -hmm. But the people who are thinking about this all the time, indigenous folks, you know, yep. all this yep. stuff. But somehow. A white European is like, you know what I mean? Uh, you know what is going to like really make the difference? You right. know what's going to go the mile? Special by a gas station <laughs> with a loudspeaker screaming war. And it That's is this, it. it's this, to my brain, kind of like pleasingly displeasing, like it's a deluxe and a luxury like disempowerment simulator. Yes. You know, it is sort of this like very yes. bizarre if you're rich and idle, please come over here and have this mm -hmm. simulated experience of, of what actually it's like to, to be unhoused. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. On on the side of a hillside, in a vineyard, have this experience. <laughs> right. Like, so that the moment that you've had enough, you can immediately step out and go back to right. your regularly scheduled luxury existence. Right. I mean, what I want, which I don't think is the case. I don't remember the names of the, the founders or the brothers or whatever that Patrick you said. Patrick was one of them. So Patrick. it's Patrick and Frank. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Patrick, Patrick and, and Frank. Frank. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, like what I would love is for Patrick and Frank to be like fronts or something for just like a bunch of marginalized people who are like, you know how we're going to raise the funds we need, you know, yeah. from getting these white people yeah. to shell them out. You know? So I think that it absolutely has to be something like that, or it has to be something a la 
the emperor has no clothes where right. somebody hired these guys to like design them a hotel they That's blew funny. all the money on like partying and swiss chocolate and then one day they looked up yes. and were like oh my god we have two days and 30 euros left over what do we do and they're like whoa, whoa, yes. whoa, whoa, whoa. here's a thought what if we just like really forcefully sell this concept of it right. is an intentionally shitty hotel it's bad um, on purpose it's bad on purpose because exactly art. because yeah. art guys that's right. But the real motivator three is three IKEA beds and six nightstands, yeah. <laughs> and they put them in different locations. <laughs> right, right. I know wow. a guy who runs a gas station. He'll let us put it in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking the gas station one in particular. I'm like, this is so dangerous. Like, yeah. Just yeah. it's so strange. Terrible. Yeah. Ooh. No, and kind of from that angle, there's something almost Banksy-esque about it. Yeah. It's just kind of, you know, I got an investor to give me a bunch of money. I spent all of it on <laughs> pampering myself. And then I created this intensely unpamperful experience right. to uh, hand in. Like, that's the version of I handed in the homework after I did it the last second as the bus was pulling into school. Right. Well, can't you just see the montage now where you have people like pulling up to their gas station bed, schlepping it, you know? Yeah. And then our brother is like getting fitted for like really expensive suits, you mm-hmm. know? Oh, here are these people trying to snuggle in to their Walmart sheets or whatever the European equivalent is. Yeah. Here are these guys picking out Egyptian cotton to go into their, you know, just their their guest bedroom. One of right four. with like twelve pillows and like That's a right. four poster situation going Snuggling. on. Yeah. It might be interesting if there is if instead of a private investor, there is some kind of this is coming from some government organization mm. and they kind of look at each other and they're like, ah, oh, wait a minute. If our business is a success, we would have to pay it to them. If we just like crash our business, then the money is just written off as a loss. It was an investment scheme from the government that didn't work mm. out. This happens all the time. And so they make this intentionally shitty hotel. Naturally, of course, the extremely white population loses their mind and they're all like, booked up through the rest of the year. And so they're like, fuck, how can we make it more bad? How can we kind of keep upping the game on how bad this is? But it is the cocktail conversation of the year. Exactly, exactly. And everything they do, they add a horrible smell. And it's like, what a brilliant commentary on the way that our air is becoming unusable. And like, you know, these different countries, (laughs) they do this other thing. It's really dark, like fall for money, right? Where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, we have to make this experience really bad, especially if they lean into like, it's, you know, privileged white people experiencing the world that other people have just lived in all their lives, where it's like, all of a sudden, like, come here and experience forced labor, you know, like, come here and experience, (laughs) like, they just start building. At a certain point in the night, someone is going to come up to you and kick you on the side really hard. That's right. And they're just going to ship you off somewhere else, you know? It's a risk, but that's art, baby. And they just sort of like gradually build this horrifying mini society all for their own materialistic gain. And it gets raves. People right. are like, this is the like, art installation of the signing decade. signing up to be enslaved. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, are you kidding me? Right. Ooh, grim. 
Right. And every day that they keep like getting more and more guests, it gets closer to that deadline where the Swiss government is going to be like, hey, now we want all the money back, please. Right. Dang, interesting. I'm I'm curious how like I this is incredibly dark and I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like it is going to really impact uh, what people take away if they are able to get away with this or if something breaks this up and it crashes under kind of the weight of um, all of the plates that they have spinning. I'm curious what y'all's instinct is there. Mm. No, there has to be a comeuppance and it needs to be sort of a poetically just comeuppance of some sort. And I think, you know, I think that the most intuitive one is they get sent to prison, but it's like white collar criminal European prison. So it's actually a superior hotel experience than the one that (laughs) they were serving their customers. Like that is the first kind of button that presents itself to me of this. If they end up going wow. to jail, they're really, really worried. And then they get there and they're like, actually, this is pretty decent. Like this bed is like not that uncomfortable. We can work with this. Wow. Wow. I think that's kind of an interesting conclusion for like the the people behind it. Right. But I also kind of want to see some form of embarrassment for the participants. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, yeah. You know, the very grim, very dark thought, you know, is like if it got to that place where it's like, yeah, we're experiencing all these atrocities, just like, you know, the other people in this world. So let's say they all had to wear like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something that isn't too analogous to something in the real world. Right. But like, let's say they all had to get their ears pierced. Yeah. And then like it's all over. They punish the people who like let things get crazy. But everyone who sees that you have this like, you know, ear piercing knows that you were a participant in this like very gross, like I want to be poor for a day, you know, kind of thing. And you just kind of have to live with that. No, it's like a, it's like a tag the way that like they do with uh, cattle. Right. You know, where it's like, they can't take it off or it's really expensive to get it off. And it's just like, Oh, or getting it off even like has like a very revealing, like specific scar. Right. Where it's like, okay, yeah, you're not tagged anymore, but I remember you. You were part of the poverty hotel. And much yeah. like Fire Festival, there would be massive media coverage. So right. if you were there, everyone would yeah. be like, "You, you were there. You like, were we there. remember. We saw it." Right, and yeah. there'll be like think pieces and academic papers written for years to come about how all these people <laughs> thought that this was okay, you know. And now they have to live with the shame. No, I love that it's sort of like the ending of Inglorious Bastard style. Like you just mm. don't get to walk away from this. Yeah. How much time do you have on the clock, Sarah? We have about 30 seconds. What's it called? Oh, do- oh Lord. Hostel. No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. All right. Cracked it. <laughs> Solved. We did yeah. it. <laughs> the twist <laughs> is that people sign up for it. Um, right, right. Exactly what they're getting. Wow. Yeah. No, I don't think that I don't think I'm going to improve on that. What's the That's French great. word for um, where you want to be hurt? Um, masochism? So there's, uh, masochism, masochism or like, something? Yeah, what's like the, the French, French word for, word for like, that? Like l'hôtel de masochiste. Ah. No, I think I still like best like hostile, but in like parentheses are all the letters that make it like hostile. So it can mm-hmm. be read both ways. Uh-huh. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That was incredible, y'all. <laughs> well done. This is this is the, the a very, very black comedy. I don't even know. It's going to veer over to where it's not. 
I don't think that we can take a lot of credit here. I think that, like, you know, Frank and Patrick really delivered. They built their own dystopia. They did. They did. We just followed things to the extreme natural <laughs> conclusions. Uh, I usually don't like, because, like, art installations are always goofy. I usually don't like to rag on them, but this was this was bad. This was a bad idea. At, at a certain point, if you ask for it, we got to give it to you. And, yeah, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> like, there is a lot of, well, when you sort of, like, present an art installation divorced from context, it can be very easy to take a shit on someone's work and... Yeah, that's not worth doing most of the time. Uh, this context seems bad. This context <laughs> yeah. seems bad. All the context we've been given, and I still can't find a nice thing to say about it. Yeah, well, we will uh, ponder nice things to say about not this uh, okay. and be back uh, in a moment after a quick break. Hello there, Zach Valenti, jumping into this episode with this brief reminder that we have an active Patreon page to support the production of No Bad Ideas and all the other crazy worlds we're building behind the scenes. To check that out, scope the sweet rewards we offer for monthly subscriptions, as well as how to sign up yourself. Head on over to nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. Once more, that's nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. If you already support the show, we so appreciate that. And regardless, thank you for listening. All right, let's get back to more No Bad Ideas. Alrighty, what lovely, lovely messages those were that we just heard. Um, what, what, what relevancy? Um, whatever we just told you to do, listeners, you should absolutely do it. It's very important. But before you rush off to do that, you should stick around because now we get to, we've now talked about the bad ideas. Uh, now we get to talk about good ideas like your show, Life with Leo, which is right now on its way to its second season. But let's talk a little bit about the first season. What was kind of the genesis of this show? How did it sort of, um, how did the initial concept come to be? Oh, I spend a lot of time laying in bed, looking at my ceiling, having various existential crises. So like Yeah, I call that 7 a.m. You know, yeah. this came from one of those. And I mean, existential, literally just for me. I am a selfish person, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking a lot about me, what's going on with Octavia, you know, and at the time when I started writing Leo, or at least, you know, sort of conceiving of the idea, it was a lot of like, who will ever love me? <laughs> it feels like it's going to take a miracle or there's going to be a catch. You know, a lot of Janine's, the character of Janine's um, 
anxieties, or I guess I should say my sort of anxieties are verbalized through the character of Janine a lot. Right. It's awesome that we can make characters do that. Like, it's really right? great. <laughs> I, I know there are writers who are really great about making beautiful, meaningful work that doesn't directly seem to correlate to their experiences. Uh, yeah, no, fuck them. Yeah, I'm a hack, okay? Like, I'm just <laughs> pulling directly from my concerns, my life. And so I feel like there are times when I'll put out a piece of work or like I wrote a play, a one act play once. And I was like, my coworkers, you should come like this will be great. And this particular play was about a woman who comes back for her 10 year, I believe, high school reunion. And as soon as she gets there, it's like, I can't go inside. I'm not ready to see, you know, the kind of one who got away or like the mm -hmm. unrequited crush because mm -hmm. I said that by the time I came back here, I would be, you know, 10 pounds lighter and I right. would be richer and I would look good in houndstooth unironically. And now <laughs> I'm just some regular girl. I'm not yeah, the like person that I wanted to be. Yeah, like this does not add up to my future fanfic that I've exactly. been writing in my right. head all these right. years. Exactly. And my coworkers came and as before it even started, because it was like an evening of one act place where like leading up to mine and I realized I'm like, oh no, I put too much of myself into this. I'm about to be seen and witnessed and perceived by these same people. I'm going to roll up to work the next day and be like, hey everybody, it's time to crack jokes for this kid's show. Don't remember my, you know, sort of debilitating worries about never being good enough for anyone. <laughs> like, just put that to the side so we can do our jobs. But yeah, I learned nothing from that experience and continued with Life with Leo to a lot of my own personal concerns inside other characters' mouths. So that's kind of where it came from. You know, the idea that Leo, the android in question, has been made sort of perfectly for her and mm -hmm. loves her. And it feels very unconditional because yeah. he's programmed, right? And Janine instantly being like, it's a trap. <laughs> like, <Right>. you're <laughs> trying to send me to jail. This is not how I'm going to go out like a chump. I think not. Someone but... loved me? That's, <laughs> That's unethical. Right. That, that seems cannot unlikely. Be. Uh, you know, so there is this sort of like legal under pinning of like and this isn't allowed and i could go to jail but also the sort of moral like consent issue of like yeah. okay well he didn't choose and that even sort of feeding into her anxieties that of course a man would show up who claims to love me and in reality never really got a choice in the right. matter this would be my Somebody big romantic experience right. exactly yeah you know and I think not that I've had the experience of somebody like popping up to declare marriage or something to me, but I do think that every time I have had like a sort of passing fancy with a man, there's always been some kind of like, where's the catch? Mm -hmm. Where is it? Even if it's not literally been a catch, I love a bit of self-sabotage. I'm working on it, you know, but I am definitely always looking out. I've got a baseball bat on hand. You know what? I'm going to have to pause. That was a lie. I don't actually have a baseball bat. I find baseball to be an incredibly boring sport. I do, however, have a katana that my friends gave ooh, me. Ooh, much better. <laughs> so That's a big upgrade. Yeah. I, yeah. Won't, I won't unsheath it, but it's heavy and I'll whack you with it. Right. You know? <laughs> and so, yeah, there's, I think, echoed in the podcast or these sort of, you know, this character being brought to believe, you know, like, hey, it's possible. You deserve, you know, some kind of like love and affection, even if it's not from this potentially illegal source, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, 
And then also just seeing the other ways that love plays out in her life. You know, she has this relationship with her sister that's, I feel quite reminiscent of my relationship with one of my younger sisters. Um, The two, like, you know, her younger sister and her fiance, so Ellie and Aggie, have a beautiful relationship. Can't relate. Could never be me. But, you know, (laughs) love seeing that for other people. So cute. And like seeing what that looks like, something stable and steady, where I think it's kind of everything that Janine would want to have for herself. And being able to like see it play out, especially for two, you know, women or female presenting people to be able yeah. to have that. I'm a big fan of just like, they're together, let them be happy. Gosh, darn it. Like <laughs> when I start watching shows or movies and people are like, oh, they're together and they're happy. But wait, just wait. Yeah. And X is going to come back into the picture and ruin things. I'm like, I don't know. Hasn't happened for me, but I will even love y'all. Like, I don't think everybody's got to break up just because some some passing trouble enters their lives. I think, you know, you got to weather it. But yeah. anyhow, I do go no, on. But in many ways, that is more interesting of just kind of the like, yeah. okay, yeah, we're not saying we don't necessarily need it to be happily ever after. These people mm-hmm. never have any problems again. Right, But right. in many ways, it can be interesting to see two characters deal with a problem together yep. mm-hmm, as opposed mm-hmm. to the problem can only be whether they're together or not and as soon right, as they right. are we need to find a way to break them up or ship one of them to siberia or right. trap them in the alternate time dimension of That's forbidden right. pain or something yeah i mean don't get me wrong one of the hallmarks of my personality all of my friends know this and now you guys will know this as well mm-hmm. as are, well as all listeners that's right i oh yeah all of our hello listeners what you need <laughs> to know about me is i love a man in emotional pain oh mm-hmm. cannot get enough i want to see micro expressions filter across faces i want to see eyes like slightly widen i want to see mm-hmm. foreheads crinkle lips tremble okay if you're looking for an example of a wonderful performance of this, please see Juju Hoon in Hyena, Korean drama available on Netflix. I love it. Full of it. I have every episode on Netflix paused at the exact moment that I want to see his face. <laughs> Incredible. And the same goes for like audio, you know, like yeah. I can hear it. I've got certain episodes of podcasts. I'm like, I want to hear that yell. I want right. to hear that, that quiver, you know? Mm-hmm. How did I get here? Oh, men in pain. All of that to say <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, like I'm not opposed to like putting characters through some kind of, you know, emotional ringer. Right. But a big way that I approach writing is that if you're looking for edge, it's not me. Like I am not going to ever write you the next like Breaking Bad or something. Like, sure, sure. Cool. Go find those people. Meanwhile, I'm like, What's the point of darkness unless it points to the light? You know, like what's the point of gloom unless we're eventually getting to hope? Not because I think that's the only kind of art that matters, but because it's the only kind of thing I feel prepared to delve into. I'm sad enough, you know, (laughs) I want to, you know, imagine myself into a better world and into a better space. But I do think that, you know, to that point, when I see like, oh, this man Mm -hmm. is in some kind of emotional pain, I enjoy it because I know it's going to be resolved somehow right like that person's gonna have to express their feelings they're gonna reach some kind of you know some kind of end to this it kind of retroactively does not work for me if like a man just dies sad i'm like oh no now what am i supposed to do (laughs) this sucks i enjoyed it while it lasted but it went too far right right right. too much of a good thing or too much of a sad thing too much of it i want to see mr darcy do his hand thing 
Uh-huh. And then I want to see them get married at the end, you know? Right. That's right. That's it. I'm curious, like, how that translates for you when you're writing audio. Because I know that, like, we have this trouble whenever we've we've done fiction shows of thinking very cinematically about mm. things and, like, wanting to see <laughs> the, the hands tremble and wanting to, like... call it a tr- problem. We call it a lifestyle choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but sort of, like, I- I'm curious about just... Do you sort of think about audio any differently? Do you write and then go back and correct? Like, I'm, I'm curious how that works for you. I do think about audio differently in the sense that I just remember I'm constantly aware that, like, this can't be seen, right? So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I think differently and that, like, the pictures are gone, right? Like, I'm no longer envisioning characters as I do it. But, like, there are just times when I'm like you know, oh, these characters are like staring into each other's eyes and I have to like find a line to sort of do that in a way that won't make me want to hurl, right? Like there's a a line, I think in the pilot of Life with Leo where Leo and Janine get like real close and she's like, oh my gosh, like you've got these golden rings around your irises. You know, it's like, otherwise I would have just shown that somehow, right? But like I had to like have her say it. And so I think that's the extent to which I'm actively thinking about audio. I would say that I don't know if I'm any good at it, right? Like that's up to the people who listen to decide whether or not I'm getting across what I hope I'm getting across in the writing. I think a lot of it also comes down to performing, you know, here I am once again, uh, a sham, a hack, just inserting myself into my own work. But like Philip Jordan and Maximilian Coger, like they're so good. And I know Maximilian and I had, I think, a lot of, I was going to have a lot of scenes together. I think there were very rarely times when we didn't have scenes, you know, without the other person. Right. But he's so good, I think, at getting what it is that I want from my content, not even just like as a writer, but like, this is what I want to hear, you know, mm-hmm. like the little like tremors in the voice and like, you know, a really expertly placed like like crack or something. I'm like, yes, uh, inject it. So then it's Amazing. less about, you know, did I write it with audio in mind? But like, do I have the performers who can like do that? And yeah, I do. They're so great, you know? <laughs> Shout out to uh, those two other hacks, uh, Beth Eyre and Felix Trench, oh who yeah. we gosh. do not enjoy at all. <laughs> oh my uh, God. And uh, are not good in this show either. They're, 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 they're fine. They're average. They're, they always thin. are. <laughs> when I tell you... Uh, Gabrielle, I don't know if you were here when I told Zach, I was like, oh, I was a big Wolf 359 fan. Like, this is very exciting for me. Like, the thing is, I, I was not kidding when I say I'm a podcast addict. For years, I was like, I love podcasts. I loved radio, right? I was out here listening to, like, old-time radio mysteries, Zach and Christie mm-hmm. stuff, all of it. So, like, podcasts for me, I was like, yes, I have more radio. This is exciting. Amazing. And Wooden Overcoats is my favorite podcast of all time. Because it's the best one. Because it's the best one. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. No loyalty to your own show. Absolutely not. (laughs) We know it's good. (laughs) But I was like, you know, this is so exciting. And, like, the first time that I met Felix was at some kind of, like, podcast, podcaster meetup. And I, like, had to bring a friend. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't just walk into this with all these other people who make podcasts. I'm a nobody. I think I'd written on Lauren Shippen's AM archives at that point, which is why I was even, you know, thought of. And I was like, I gotta, I can't just waltz on in there. Like I belong there. I need to bring backups. I brought like another 
TV friend from grad school and she was like, you're excited about meeting just like a normal human man. Like she saw Felix and she was like, I thought it would be like 10 feet tall. You know, <laughs> carrying a hammer. I was like, and then, in our heart, that's how he is. Right? You know? Ten feet tall, carrying a hammer. Yeah. And the, you the just exact haven't met same him properly thing. yet. You that's haven't right. seen what he can do in a podcast. Once I see his full form. The same thing with Beth. Like, I think she auditioned for Penelope, and Lauren was like, Beth auditioned. And I was like, Auditioned? <laughs> <laughs> for me? I was like, This is <laughs> this is a joke. Just give it to her. I can't believe that she would deign to come down from her perch on Olympus. I tweet every so often, this is a Beth Air Stan account, you know, with whatever Beth Air related yep. thing yep. there is. And that remains true. Obsessed. Absolutely obsessed. So yeah, every single person that's going, nah, I feel like I got to name, you know, everybody, Angelique Francis, Jennifer Zang. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's good. Did I forget anybody? My friend Daniel Martinez does a voice in like episode two or something like that. But I loved everyone. I thought everybody did a great job. And mostly I'm just trying to keep up with them and not embarrass myself or any of them. You know, now, as you said, you not only put yourself on blast with the writing, but then you yeah. put yourself further on blast by being the person that speaks the writing <laughs> right. into the microphone as the main character in the show. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, you're not the director of Life with Leo, right? You nope. have nope. a brilliant director that comes in. Shidney uh, Howard. What is kind of the balancing of that like? I'm always curious about what it is like to work with someone that gives you performance for a thing that you yourself wrote and yeah. therefore would theoretical have a, theoretically have a very sort of already in-depth perspective on. Um, I think it really helps that I trust Shanae a ton and mm. think she's like kind of a genius, you know? Like, I don't get me wrong. I like myself a lot. I'm not trying to be like, here I am, small human worm. I think that I, you know, I'm worthy. I bring stuff to the table, whatever. But I also don't think that I am perfect, infallible, you know, cannot be improved upon, you know. If I thought that, I would not be, like, out here trying to, like, lift weights and put them back down or, like, <laughs> right. you know, changing hair colors on every whim. Like, I always think, ooh, there's something else I could try. I could right. be hotter. I mean, watch out. But it could be possible, you know. <laughs> um, and then similarly with, like, creative work, I feel like I write like with Leo. I'm like, yeah, I like this. And then someone like Shanae and someone like Lauren, you know, Lauren Chip and also like gives notes and stuff. They make it better. You know, like I think especially the way that I wrote now both seasons of Life with Leo. Pretty sure we did this the first season as well, but I just wrote all eight scripts. Like I turned them in on like weekly deadlines, but I didn't get notes until they were all in. Mm. So, you know, without a lot of external input during the writing process i can get kind of like lost in my own head like lose a little perspective on like how often has this thread been like you know pulled through and like are we seeing it clearly this is very unrelatable and i've never had this experience <laughs> <laughs> did you do that too <laughs> no just like it's it I, I it is so easy to sort of lose perspective right um Especially when you're like in episode six of something. Exactly. And then and someone is like, this isn't clear. And you're like, what do you mean it isn't clear? About? We've talked like, about it twice over 53 pages. How could right. it be more clear? And like you're living with it in your head. So like for me, I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. And so it's great to, you know, have somebody who's like 
I think I know what you're going for, but you didn't pull it off. And then to not take it personally would be like, thank you for saving me from myself. You know, now I can yeah. go forward and do it. And then, you know, getting to the performance part of it again, I'm like not a professional actor, you know, like I've done this and like, I put myself in one of my plays and generally speaking, I just mind my business. Otherwise, you know, like I do the writing and I take myself on home. But knowing that it's pretty easy for me to receive like, oh, can we try it this way or can we do that? Mm-hmm. And I think Shanae is also really good about like she wants it to be a great project, but she also wants it to be like a great you project, you know, like, is this the project yeah. that you were trying to make? Awesome. That I want it to be the best possible version of that, as opposed to like, I think that we should all of a sudden set this on, you know, a spaceship or do whatever, right. or, you know, oh, change it drastically. always make things better. It's true. Always. It's true. <laughs> Once again, I'm a huge bull through here. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think that getting that feedback from Shanae wasn't hard for me in any way other than like, I guess, you know, like there could be occasional like ego things like, did Shanae not like this? Mm-hmm. But it's not even so much about like, oh, Shanae, it's more like, Octavia, you got to do better. If Shanae doesn't like it, what good is <laughs> You know, like, I'm just such a fan of hers. Um, and I do think that it was also probably easier for her to give acting feedback to the other actors who are like, I know how to, that's my professional job. You know, like yeah. I can do this versus with me where she is like, can we get more? Like, I think she had to go a little more like granular sometimes to get like what she was really trying to get out of me. And hopefully it worked. Generally, I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not so noticeably different from everybody else that, you know, it distracts from the actual like enjoyment and story of the podcast. And I think I pulled that off. I don't think I'm winning any awards anytime soon, but I don't think I made a fool of myself. Absolutely confirm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Octavia, Yeah, this has been just an absolute delight. Uh, thank you so much for playing a silly game with us and then then talking about creating amazing writing and and fun and performance. It's awesome. Thanks. If folks want to find you and or Life with Leo on the Internet, where should they go? What how should they do that? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reddit somewhere. So R-E-A-D it's somewhere. Literally. Oh, not like in the web platform Reddit that's somewhere. Right. R E A G. I read a lot, and sometimes I forget exactly where the source was, <laughs> and so I'm like, I read it somewhere. But, um, you can find me there, and you can find Life with Leo at uh, on Twitter at I believe at Life with Leo. So if you were curious about following the podcast, that's where it is. I'm not really prolific. And for wealthy listeners who want to patronize the arts, there is an Indiegogo right now? Yes. For a second there, I was like, for wealthy listeners, my Venmo is at Tavia. No. I mean, that one is also good to know. That's right. Uh, Yes, we do have an Indiegogo campaign going right now. Sorry, Eddie Louise. Don't yell at me for forgetting about that. You can find all information about that on our Twitter page as well. Amazing. And we will yeah. also link it in the show notes. So, oh gosh, you thanks so much. you can just click a button. Thank you. If you want me to give you my Venmo, so you can put that in your show notes as well. I am more than happy, <laughs> you know, for your wealthy listeners. I got rent to pay. Amazing. We will coordinate on that and we will be back <laughs> with uh, more No Bad Ideas next week. Awesome. Bye. <laughs> This has been No Bad Ideas, produced by Gabrielle Urbina, Sarah Shackett, and Zach Valenti. 
Many thanks to our patrons for their partnership in making this show happen. And a special shout out to our idealist members, Jennifer Schneider, Rena Serrane, Jeffrey Felsher, and Dia. Today's episode features music by Statesher and Jazar from freemusicarchive.org. You can support the show at nobadideaspodcast.com slash support. And if you love this show, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen and share it with someone you love.